welcome everyone to International Artistic Development Podcast. We are on our second episode, which is on choral music, which will essentially be a feature every now and again with different guests. Our guest for today is Temin Kosi Kumalo, going by the name Tim Tim, who is also a very good friend of mine. We've worked together quite a bit um, in Midlands Youth Choir, and there's been a lot of side projects we've kind of been working on. The current one at the moment is actually a server that Tim Tim has um, that uh, we will link as well. So the server that we're running at the moment with Tim Tim is quite a unique project. It has some of his work in it, which he'll talk about. Um, the other thing that we've essentially got is a... Um, how do I say it? So it's... So it's an online choir, essentially, that we're trying to work with, working through traditional music. Um, so I think it will be a nice experience for an international audience and even some South African audiences to kind of get involved in something like this. Okay, Tim Tim, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Um, okay. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you, Matt, for that intro. Yeah, my name is Tim Bingosi. People do call me by Tim Tim. Also, I like to say that's kind of like my stage name or my nickname. Um, yeah, I'm born and bred from Newcastle. I was born in a township called Mat- Matateni. Uh, so I uh, didn't spend most of my childhood life there. So my family moved to to the suburbs around 93 and then but uh, I, I continued schooling in the townships until grade five so I went to Standerton um, to live with my mom after that I went back to KZN then I continued most of my schooling uh, in KZN I went to Hope High School from grade six to seven then from grade eight until matric uh, I continued, I started my high school life at Fahrenheit. That's where my music career started. So I had sang sang in the school choir for, the Fahrenheit school choir for for five years. Um, And I sang in the NKZN Youth Choir, the provincial choir, which was formerly... What was was formerly under under leadership of Mr. William Silk, who's now the who's now currently the the, the musical director of the Kesden Midlands Youth Choir. Um, then after high school, or oh, I matriculated high school in twenty eleven, which is literally ten years ago. Um, uh, after high school, I went to Creative Arts College to to major in music production at Creative Arts College on the Durban campus. Uh, it's a private college where it deals with the media sector. So I went to the to the root of doing music production, which was something completely different to the traditional uh, music course from the actual universities. 
Um, for I studied there for three years, graduated in 2016, and I I went on to be an intern intern at at Computer Skills for Africa. Um, I was I was I was being an intern in being an assistant admin and sales consultant. That's another story for another day. <laughs> um, yeah, currently, oh no, there, thereafter my internship, uh, I, I went to teach, to teach uh, computer literacy to, to, for, to the foundation phase uh, at CPU Academy, which was supposed to be a uh, pri private school, but closed down for certain number of reasons, which I cannot mention. Um, then I went, I went to Newcastle High School to teach there, and I was also the sound manager and one of the assistant conductors there, alongside with Mr. Mzwandile, aka Fluffy Mabuza, and my dear friend uh, Kwezi Glela, who was also like she was the for, a former student at Newcastle High School. And now, right, currently right now, um, I'm at home making music as much as I can, trying to keep my sanity, if I may say. And now having in contact with this young gentleman here, uh, Mr. Mr. Hoffman, Matthew. Uh, so we collaborated on trying to develop my my server um, on Discord, which is called which is sort of which is called uh, TLP Music Studios and Publishing. Well, that was sort of my initial name from since since college, my final year it was it was an idea I had for a business plan. Uh, but then I saw I kept up the name and and brand. Well, what I do is I. I deal with, or more mostly, I deal with um, traditional traditional African African music, or in some in, or in other terms, indigenous music. Uh, where I, I compile a repertoire of it along with, along with the help of, of Fluffy and Bali, who I who are also the other people I collaborate with. Most of the time, especially for the KZN Midlands Youth Choir camps or, or workshops, um, which Mr. Hoffman also attends to, um, so I notate, I notate, and I notate and arrange African music uh, for for choirs, uh, and I also do rehearsal tracks for not just African music but also so Western music. Uh, Western music composers, uh, most of the musics like music from from any from any genre from any composer, uh, like Eric Whittak from Eric Whittaker, um, uh, what's this? Frank Frank Ticelli, um, yeah, and quite a number of them. So I've done that since twenty. 14 
on notating African music. The the rehearsal track idea came about 2016 when I started doing that, when I first, firstly introduced it to Mr. Silk and he saw like, he liked, he liked the idea and wanted to continue to, to provide uh, rehearsal tracks for his choirs. And so far, so far I've been having good feedback from, from the conductors I've worked with before regarding my rehearsal tracks and the music, they're all pleased. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I mean, personally, I've I've heard your your vocal tracks, and they they they're really good. Um, yeah. and you, you've got it available there in your server as well as on SoundCloud, if I believe, right? Yes, it's on SoundCloud too. Okay, okay, all right. Um, I think rather than starting with something really challenging to kind of go in with. Um, mm. let's, let's kind of build off what, what we've, what you've been speaking about your journey, uh, through, uh, your music education as well as now your music career as well. So, mm. so growing up in choir, do you have any kind of like hilarious stories or funny stories that, uh, of, of interest maybe? So something that's oh, hearted to start off. Okay, that was like quite a number. Uh, okay, so throughout my 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 schooling years in choir, where my where my music education began and slightly my music uh, music career, um, so Mr. Silk, I'm sorry to say that if you're listening, <laughs> Mr. Silk. Um, I loved him to bits. Like he's like a, a dear father to me. But it's quite scary sometimes, and also funny when he does not want. If he doesn't like something that's so specific to his, to his ears, he was just gonna go and shout like tenors, you're flat. Sopranos, you're flat. Uh, uh, bass, basses, give me. I am sorry, just for the sake of not cussing out. So, sopra- sopranos, give me, you know, the, all that, all the sort. And there'll come a time. There'll come a time that when he gets really, really, really pissed, um, he will start like throwing stuff around chairs, music stands, and now we're busy doing the matrix, dodging, dodging the stuff that he throws at at us. Knowing that now, now he's putting the fear of God in in us. <laughs> yeah. Um, um. Yeah, I, I think there was a, a moment at the rehearsal last year where a chair went flying, and it, and it just so happened that uh, someone that was sitting where it landed. Uh, uh, had just stepped out. If they were there, that chair was going to hit them. <laughs> yeah. So the flying yeah. chairs still kind of happens. And I think the I think especially with um, rehearsing during lockdown, there's a lot of there's a lot of tighter schedules when working with choirs, and um, sometimes 
sometimes tensions are just so high, especially working from a management point. There's there's so many extra things to kind of deal with that, yeah, sometimes you just lose your patience with things. I, I know I lost my patience mm-hmm. with, the, with the base. I've never thrown anything, but <laughs> yeah. I've, I've You're almost getting there. Um, okay. Now, what difficulties would you say that you've had? Like any kind of difficulties, kind of gr- growing up young, being in choir, and also maybe working with choirs? Because you, you've conducted choirs as well, besides workshopping with them and um, creating music for them. Mm, I'd say the difficulties... Um... Okay, I'll say on both sides. Um, growing up uh, to have love of choir is trying to like maintain that relationship a lot amongst your fellow um, choristers. Um, there was has this thing called the the clicks, which kind of you kind of felt like a little bit isol- isolated. In some sort, because now you start to belong in some sort of a certain group uh, throughout throughout my years. Uh, but then, like outside choir, but uh, outside choir, um, I had like difficult. I had been like a victim for bullying. I had been bullied by three people, and like which and I, to a place where I had to find my escape was choir, where I had to like really, really isolate myself because that's where it's like my safe zone and I had been and I'll say that like slight bullying in choir because of one person who is being a donkey most of the time to most people Uh, I won't mention his name but yeah he was in choir with me but we Turned up from being a bully to being a great friend in the end, which was really quite ironic. Um, also, I think on the level of musicality of whatever music you like, you are faced with. And at first, like I was not really familiar with music in general or how to read music, but then as soon as soon as like when they had to do do note bashing like when you had to like be to go to sep to separate venues for for note ba- note bashing sessions as soon as like they start note bashing on the piano um it's like I suddenly I instantly understand how to sing this how to sing that uh but then until Mr. Silk had to like discover that I have perfect pitch we just say he kind of find it rare for him there to find a chorister with perfect pitch. Uh, I didn't even know it myself either, so he had to like test me out uh, one one le- one practical lesson in high school, and then he so test me on like a few notes. Uh, so he asked me to like, sing me a C, and then I went. Any place to check? Uh, sing me an F sharp. Mm. 
So, yeah, and uh, and then he kind of like made it to, known to to the rest rest of the rest of the choirs that I've that I'm involved with in in high school, the school choir and the youth choir, and I would I would have some sort of a, like a pet peeve that when I don't hear something, if I hear something off, I sometimes maybe twitch, and then I would just have to inform Mr. Silk, uh, sir, I think the, I will say, I think the sopranos uh, are, are singing, singing the wrong notes. They were supposed to sing like this, like, like so, like so, like so, like so. And then he has to double check. And then the, the, the minute they saw how, how, how good I am. So they just like turn to me and I'll assist them as much as I can. And then difficulties on working with choirs is, I would say to deal, if you have to deal with uh, a developing choir, which they needed tuning and uh a little bit of a little bit of uh, a crash course or education in music theory. Uh, it's quite difficult because it could like take time or it will take most of your rehearsal time because like if it if uh, if there are choir members whatever age they are and I dealt uh, that, that I dealt that first with my church choir when I was when it was my first year being musical director at my church so they don't have a clue on music theory or how to warm up or how to sing the correct notes sometimes I would like just like let it slide I'm not trying to like discourage them more uh most of the time but uh but since it's a church choir but then, if it's other uh, from other choirs like children's choir, children children choirs, I think the only difficulty I had is keeping discipline from li to to little kids. Because okay. like it's uh, almost like at the end of the day, you just come out, you just come home with a headache. As much as they are, they can be a little bit of a, uh, annoying, but then you try to be patient with them. And I would, I would, I would have you, I would have to like equalize having fun with them and also being serious with them also. So I'm just going to turn my yeah. camera off and on here. It look it's making me look incredibly weird. <laughs> okay. I was doing some blinking thing. Uh, okay. <laughs> they, they are, uh, this this isn't specifically what we kind of planned. Uh, it looks like maybe connection problems. I'll, I'll try to connect the camera again later. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so this particular part wasn't isn't particularly planned, but I think it's an important thing for someone entering a choir or maybe that's in choir now. So um, mm. the the mention that you well you mentioned uh, growing up in choir you you experienced bullying quite a bit yeah 
uh, now that you are conducting choirs and working uh, professionally with choirs, how do you think you would maybe handle something like that if you came across that that type of situation? I, I think, especially now in the society where um, where education has kind of reached the point where teachers can actually have access to a lot of information when it comes to uh, working with kids, working with with choirs. Um, so, th- so we're aware of a lot of social issues that are out there, um, mm-hmm. mental health issues, bullying, and so on. Um, so now that we kind of know the seriousness of some situations, how would you maybe approach that situation if you, if you encountered uh, something similar to when you were younger, someone being bullied? I would say, okay, if if I had to like go back, maybe, uh, and maybe ch- change something different about it, uh, I would have... I would have uh, approached it to my 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 teacher or my my conductor, saying that I'm having problems with this and this and this. Um, to see if they're going to like attend to it, but then it'll depend on like what type of what type of a conductor you're dealing with, like. But then. You, it's on. I'll say I'm not sure if it's quite rare to find conductors who who can be who can be patient with with kids, um, just like Mr. Silk. But then, even though he would throw tantrums at at us or shouts shouts at us, but he he would have like a bit of your your psychology psychology session with you and so I try to advise you on your way forward you will just like forget being a conductor and and just attend you as some sort of your almost like a father father figure um and try to consolidate to like whatever situations you're like you're dealing with but after I think like after him, I had a uh, I had a different conductor, uh, Mr. Walter, but me so rest in peace. Um, yeah, it was Mr. Walter, but he was also my conductor from like the rest of my high school years. But problem is with the problem is with him like he wasn't he wasn't that much. Open or being that warm-heartedly like Mr. Silk was, because it was almost like he like likes discouraging kids most of the time, which is not right for for a teach for a teacher or a conduct or a conductor conductor to 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 do that. Um, I had to try and be strong for the rest of the of the of the, of the choir members. Some of them were thinking of quitting because they're saying like quiet is not fun anymore because this conductor is being is acting like this. He keeps on dissing, dissing children. Um, 
which I find it finding a little bit discouraging and and also wrong for him. It's such a, such a such a position such a position as a conductor to do that to kids or so by by dissing them or so like almost like the constant bullying of them. But sometimes they you get bullying from some some teachers. I won't say all teachers. Some some teachers some teachers will just like discourage you in some way that you just want to just lose the lose the passion of what you're doing. But as an adult, but if I see that like there's like something is wrong, I sometimes I like to like see in in the in kids faces if they're doing or to see if they're all right if i see that something's wrong i would have approached approached to that kid and and asked them what's wrong and then usually i'll say usually they'll say no it's okay like i'll say no don't 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 i see that something is wrong with you just just tell me what's wrong and then if they are to uh, say their problem. Say their problems. I would have to be patient and understand like where this kid's coming from. Um, I think that kind of like that that sort of incident already happened before. I think one choir camp uh, when we had. Um, if you might remember, uh, Matthew, we had Noma Noma Kumalo. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. She she came across she came across an address like bullying. Um how 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 she how she how she had been like a victim of bullying. She has so she had to share her story and then other musical other music uh, co- uh vocal coaches also had to share their stories too. And uh, it was sort of like it was like a, an emotional, emotional moment because like it was like a couple of tears here and there. If you remember, um, I actually wasn't at that session. Oh think, yeah, oh, yeah. Was, okay, so yeah, I was with William. Yeah. At, at, at that point, I think. Um, wait, no, was was William there? I was with someone. Um, yeah, I think yeah, we um I think William I think William was there. Um so as I think you were not present, but then we had like uh, a, a a session in say a a session in the in the in the hall where yeah. everyone was like sitting in in a circle and Norma was like standing in the was she was standing in center sharing her story sharing a story on how she was bullied and how she found choir as her safe haven. Yeah, but you know, it's actually quite Bullying. surprising if you, if you think about it. Um, there's just so many instances, um, like if I look at my life as well, there's this point where I went through bullying as well. I don't think I took very kindly to it. There was a moment where someone pulled me off like a desk and I snapped and and uh, threw them across the classroom so it mm. didn't work out for them obviously um, 
Yeah, but it's it's actually surprising how many people actually have experiences, and and I think as as conductors and as as music teachers, we need to be very aware of like the signs uh, that that there's these situations that kids are going through, and sometimes we've got to be very understanding. You mentioned a, mm. a conductor that wasn't very kind as well. Yeah, uh, I think that is also a huge problem, especially in the in the teaching field. There's that old style of teaching that is very much focused on continually putting a student under stress, where every lesson is just so intense. Um, and maybe it gets results for some students, but there's so many students that maybe cannot deal with that kind of stress, that kind of... Um, uh, you know, a teacher putting you down constantly, saying you're not doing enough and whatnot, and um, and a lot of students actually quit because of that. So, so it's important to be aware of um, the line that needs to be drawn. You know, yeah, between uh, requiring discipline for your instrument and also uh, making a safe space for a student. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think what I believe in the philosophy of the relationship between students and teachers is has to be a a give and take situation, like fifty fifty. So I still I still believe in that in the in that philosophy or that notion because sometimes you may be a teacher and you might have to like teach something to, to the students. Sometimes you have to like learn from, from the students, what they could teach you something that you might not know. Yeah. Th this is actually something that uh, I've been thinking about recently, you know, it, well, as a conductor and, and as, and as a teacher, you, you find that um, when you're working with all these different personalities, all these students, you can plan out as much as you can your, yeah, exactly. your lesson. But at the end of the day, um, you're going to come across... Uh, I mean, there's there's different problems each person runs into, whether it be physically or, or mentally, how they process the music. Um, mm -hmm. and, and they might figure something out that you've never thought about or they might have a problem that you've never encountered and you as a teacher kind of have to uh, on the spot come up with something uh, to fix the problem and I, I think that's that's one of the amazing thing things about being a, a good music teacher is is that that aspect you, you've actually got to become so invested in the world of music and teaching and understanding that you able to on the fly deal with any situation that comes your way. Mm. Yeah. But I think uh moving on, let's um let's look at one of the the serious topics here. Okay. Um, so we we have spoken about this particular thing. So obviously you being on the show now we we are looking at uh, the traditional side of uh, composing and, and arranging music, you know, your traditional choral music. 
So mm. I, I I want to discuss discuss uh, specifically on this topic, being uh, the difficulties that you might face in arranging or composing your own African traditional music. Um, I think the difficulty on arranging or, or composing African music, okay, uh, is I would say notate note. Notating African music in in general, because uh, if you had to like look back at at history before 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 the the era of colonization be, sort of began, um, tradi- traditionally or histo- or historically that Af- African songs or indigenous songs. Did not have any sort of form, any any formal structure. It's just on share. It's, it's just uh, people making sounds because they have to tell store, have to tell stories for, for the for for from from this generation to the next to the next to the next, and then came in colonization, where so like Western music is so like introduced, where. Western music it had structure and form. If you if you're getting what I mean, um, yeah. I think in in sort of the, in some sort of a way that now African music being notated notated on paper paper if I was to say I'll say it's in sort of in, in some way it's the colonization of African music um, because now you have to like bring in some that sort of form that form and structure and how to compose compose music or compose African music but I would have to say from my experience because now I'm using a a, a musical notation program called Sibelius um, to the rhythm I wanted to hear the rhythm I'm hearing inside my head I wanted to translate it to to but it's difficult because now you have to think mathematically. Like, does it add up to the to that to that uh, to that bar to that bar or to that to, according to the time signature you set, like four four? But then, Afri- African African rhythms are so complex because. You had to like anticipate some, some time, anticipate the timing, and the the different uh, variants of notes to get your exact rhythm. Um, which, which is, which was like really challenging for, which was like really challenging for me uh, to to do because. Until you have to like succeed on trying to get the rhythm you want, and then you eventually getting it. Um, but then uh, the idea of notating notating African music music it's it's never been done before because like traditionally music we only learn like African music by by ear, learning it verbally. There's 
the thing the thing the thing of like notating notating african music it's quite rare nowadays cuz you're getting but then another thing i think based on that on that topic um african african music okay as i said african music we just learn it verbally instead of notate no instead of like notating it but then it it has been done before if uh, to if you to look at other other composers here in south africa um I looked at composers like um Zligazi kumalo uh and and Enoch Sontonga, um who who was one of the original composer one of the original composers for the our South African national yeah, anthem yeah. yes so apparently the melody had an influence for a church a, a a church an Irish church hymn basically so he had to like find the words to find the words to it and then it was sung in a nguni language uh, which is isi zulu which is my home language so he had to in- compose the zulu part i'm not quite sure about the 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 the, the sutu the sutu one um but enoch sonton was like one of the original composers of the of these of the South African national anthem which he had a bit of an influence to the the western cult the western culture western culture of it yeah and then yeah I, and i feel like um with uh with with african traditional music there's there's just so many different avenues because even though we in we in south africa we, we don't specifically just use traditional south african music we use um i mean we've got 11 national languages and and we we borrow from so many different places outside of south africa uh some of the countries above us and around us um mm-hmm. I, I sometimes feel like we need a, a panel of experts sometimes if we really want to fully understand it because i mean you you saying that the the sutu party you you can't really comment on the uh, yeah that, that, can't that's really a prime comment example on... yeah yeah uh, uh... Oh, okay wait you, you continue i i want to get to a a bit of a lighter segment after this i think we've been okay. really intense for the moment okay um, I would just say this, like, still on to this topic. Um, I would say now, okay, now, since now I'm doing, or my, or my, or throughout the years I'm like doing doing African music to choirs and to other choirs that might like sort of like being interested in doing doing our sort of uh, indigenous songs. Um, I would say this advice is there should be some sort of a bit of an education on how to pronounce our languages in South Africa because you get choirs that would like they'll sing our I'll sing our songs but then you turn out like they'll just butcher the language. There should be some sort of a 
a guiding track or a, a, a rehearsal track on pronunciation of the words just to break it down for them properly how to pronounce these words even though they'll find like pro- trying to pro- pronounce doing the clicks clicks saying you know that all those sort of clicks will they'll find it like difficult but then you had to they had to like workshop workshop around pro- pronouncing certain Af- african um African words, or just it's gonna sound like they're just butchering the language. Yeah, I I feel like um, this is also a very important section. Um, if I think about it now, there's this is probably the 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 issue with deciding, you know, whether you like to keep things traditionally. So, so having your traditional African music in in a form where it's in its natural environment, where it's not no, uh, notated, but it's it's verbally passed on and workshopped. But then, if you leave, if you kind of just leave it in the hands of another country that is not familiar with with the language whatsoever, then then there's a, mm-hmm. the pronunciation problem. So I feel uh, there has to be some responsibility in terms of that. Because, yeah, as, as you mentioned, it is a huge loss for us. There's so many beautiful pieces that uh, other choirs have adopted and they don't have any idea and there's nowhere that they can find any information on how to pronounce some of the words. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay, let, let's get to our our fun segment here, Tom. Okay. <laughs> so, I, so I told you I'm going to leave this one as a surprise. So, uh, just, just for oh. the, just for for the listeners at, at this moment. Uh, so, one thing that that uh, Tim loves to do is um, so every now and again I'll see Tim Tim playing playing trivia in in either his server or or, or my server. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so I've gotten uh, five kind of weird questions, uh, music-related yeah. questions, that uh, that I'm going to ask you. All right, you ready for this, Tim? Oh boy, I'm not sure if I'm ready, but keep them coming. Okay. So this is this is more in line with your field, at least. I find some of those trivia questions uh, it, it's very heavily centered on uh, uh, pop music, and I just have no experience there. So they ask a question, and and I think I can answer. I can truly answer like one in, one in like fifty questions or something. <laughs> okay, your first question, Tim. Who conducted mm. while holding his head for fear it would fall off? A. Tchaikovsky B. Borodin or C. Beethoven Damn, that's tricky. Can you say the options again? Okay. So the first option is so for A, it's Tchaikovsky 
B. Mm-hmm. Borodin and C. Beethoven. So who conducted while holding his head because they thought it would fall off? Okay. Mm. Hey. Don't worry, it's not Squid Game. You're not going to lose your life for anything. Okay. That's a tricky one. I'm thinking of... It's between two people. Not familiar with this one. Um... Um, I think it's Tchaikovsky. That is correct. Well done, Tom. Oh! Yeah, so, so it was uh, Tchaikovsky. Tchaikovsky used to get so nervous when uh, when he had to conduct that uh, he thought his, his head would fall off, so he would hold it, obviously restricting him in his ability to actually conduct <laughs> because he's only got one hand <laughs> to work with. Oh, my. Okay. Question number two. Hmm. Which composer requires a hammer to be constructed and played in one of his symphonies? A. Rimsky-Korsakov B. Stravinsky or C. Mahler Can you repeat the question? Which composer requires a hammer to be constructed and played in his symphony? A. Rimsky-Korsakov, B. Stravinsky, or C. Mahler? I'm not sure I'll be likely to give this one. <sighs> B? That's incorrect. The answer, <laughs> the answer is C. Mahler. So I... I Kind of threw in Stravinsky like, because, because I knew Stravinsky had some weird things he would sometimes do. Uh, so, so I thought that might throw you off. Yeah, it did throw me off a bit. Like, okay, I know. Okay. I I think somewhere in my mind, my instinct was telling me it was Mahler, but I was not sure. So it was either Mahler or Stravinsky. <laughs> okay. Um... Okay, the next one. All right. What number was Schoenberg afraid of? A, 9, B, 6, or C, 13? Do you need that again? Yeah, I can repeat the question again. Okay, what number was Schoenberg afraid of? Can you repeat the uh, options again? I'm I'm, I'm loving Wolf's uh, Wolf's emotes there that he's posting. <laughs> I can see. <laughs> okay, so, uh, okay, so what number was Schoenberg afraid of? A, the number nine. B, the number six, or C, the number thirteen. Thirteen? Thirteen is correct. Oh, yay! Okay, so so Schoenberg was was afraid of the number thirteen. It had something to do with uh, the day he was born on. And... um, Oh my goodness! He he would avoid it to such a degree that uh, there was a piece that he wrote... um, I can't quite remember the name. Some, it's one of the pieces with uh, Moses. 
in it. Uh, oh, Moses and, and Amos. And mm-hmm. when, when he, well, he, he published it originally and uh, he recalled the name and changed the name to German. So uh, uh, the letters change because originally mm-hmm. the letters, if you added them each up, there were 13 letters. So he reduced it to oh. 12 letters. Yeah. I see. Oh, damn. Okay. A bit more of an interesting one. And this this one is <clears throat> this one is a more common one, because this this one you you um, you normally find this one out at, at university, so you may have come across this story, because it's a quite a common story that pops up. So, which composer wore a dress and carried a gun? The composers that you can choose from is A. Ravel, B. Berlioz, or C. Wagner. Mm. Okay, thinking. I'll give you a hint. Okay. This, this composer... Yeah, please, <laughs> so, th- so this composer um, was in love with someone and... It didn't, it didn't quite go <laughs> their way. So uh, the reason for the dressing up in a dress and wearing a gun because, was because he was mm-hmm. trying to disguise himself and then uh, kill the person he loved and then kill himself. Oh, no. I know, it's a bit brutal. <laughs> okay. So let me ask it again. Which composer wore a dress and carried a gun? A. Ravel, B. Berlioz, or C. Wagner? Okay. Um, okay, option A, that's impossible. It cannot be. So between B and C, I would say it's B, Berlioz. That is correct. Berlioz is the correct answer. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, the last one before we get to, to back on track to our topics. Mm. All right. Okay, so uh, this is one I, I remember from a while back, but I, I could not for the life of me remember the actual person's name. I've got to try and track it down. But anyway, I still remember the situation. So a composer's music was burnt by his wife. Oh, no. So how did he react? A, did he shoot her? B, did he forgive her? Or C, did he burn her? <sighs> shoot. So wait, the options are? A, Shoot. Shoot. B, he forgave her. Or C, he burnt her. Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure if, like, one one of them seems to be too obvious. Is there a hint? There's there's no hint for this one. 
There's no hint for this one. Okay, <laughs> okay, I try. <laughs> um, damn it! Wow. I'm gonna go on limit. Okay, I'm not sure if B is a good. I don't think B is a, the right answer but between A and C. Damn it. Come on, Tim. Burn her? That is incorrect. <laughs> I knew it was just too nice. Was... So, so he shot her. Yeah. He shot her. Oh! Yeah. Oh, damn. That was tragic. <laughs> yes. Um, he, he had... So, so he wasn't, I would say, a, a famous composer. He was okay. uh, by profession a conductor, and oh. he had he had written a number of of compositions that he was still um, in the process of of reworking and putting together to the point that uh, he wanted to publish some. And because he spent so much time with his music, his wife burnt his compositions. Oh. oh no. And he was so devastated by this. He he shot his wife. <laughs> oh. How tragic. Yes, very tragic for the music. <laughs> okay, let me just see if there's any uh questions here. Okay, no, no, no questions. Okay. Let's uh okay, let's let's continue. So you've you've gotten three out of five there, Tim. Uh. <laughs> That's pretty good. It's pretty good. More than fifty percent. You passed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's almost. It's almost I was almost that close to getting hundred yeah. percent. Just I had questions that threw me threw me off. Now I know. Yeah, but uh, they were difficult. I, I mean, you you mainly listened to um, more. I would say you know more about the choral world of music. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm very much, I'm still very much towards the orchestral side. I, I love my orchestral music. Um, I could not find anything weird on choral conductors or composers. Maybe I just need to dig a little deeper. Yeah, and I I'll, think I'll, you I'll should. I'll share some of those stories with you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So let me, let me start with um, I think some of the light. Uh, no, let, let, I think let's let's end on a lighter topic, and let's let's get back into the seriousness of things. So so we were let's see we were discussing the difficulties of arranging and composing, and some of the aspects of traditional African music in the choral world. Mm. So. Yeah, this is this is a difficult one to kind of put together, but essentially, you have your traditional African music, and um, naturally, Western music came into the picture when uh, colonialization came here to South Africa. So, yeah. there is the aspect of that traditional African music, and. Well, specifically the choral music that I want to discuss. Um, mm. 
w along with with the the classical side of things so i think let, let's start with this before the influence of classical music on the um traditional side of african music what would you say it was like J just to kind of give you you give the listeners a, a picture so, so let me just describe something so so there are certain instruments in in africa that um have become popular if if we look at the marimba for instance the mm -hmm. marimba, the marimba is is it's universally known in in orchestral music now but um you've got different places that the marimba traditionally came from interestingly enough the the african side of it where the marimba surfaced from there were some there were some things that you'd never see done on a marimba now so for instance the tuning wasn't set the tuning is was very unique and um there was even some points where because there was a lot of dancing in it as well uh there were sometimes some of the pieces of wood that were played were attached to the legs of the marimba players so mm. it wasn't just your marimba in front of that that you play but it was but it's on the person and another example is the the mbira which is a traditional zimbabwean instrument um mm -hmm. it, that instrument became very popular and and i sometimes see it uh when i'm traveling and i come across very unique adaptions of it because i find a, a lot of people in africa kind of move around and they use their situations now the mbira traditionally used a specific type of wood in zimbabwe mm. and it was it was kind of like um so so i know in in india one thing that's unique is uh when when a curry is is cooked by one household they'll they'll cook a chicken curry and they'll cook the same chicken curry in the next household and it'll be completely different now similar to that the mbira will be made by one household and the next household mm -hmm. uh they'll make the same mbira same wood and everything but the tuning was was vastly different there there wasn't a set tuning so there's things like that that kind of come into play and and obviously now because it's become a a popular instrument a lot of people want a set tuning so you don't get that specific uniqueness to it mm. yeah so so let, let me come around to the original question so so tim uh, what would you say in choral music um made african traditional music uh unique before it was influenced i think what's unique is uh, on african african choral music is Okay, not only to able to sing in the in in different languages, but also also try to embrace embrace the the the, the essence of those 
different different cultures and how how it should be sung if you get like like Tuan, like Tuana music and the rhythms are always are always like compound rhythms so it's either it's like in six eight time or twelve eight uh, time um in zulu tra- zulu tra- zulu traditional music um either it's just like it's always on, it's always like on mostly it's always on on simple time uh like three four or four four okay and and what what adds to the value it's just uh the the chore- the choreography of the of the different Af, uh, Af, uh, African cult cultures and like how the choreography is done. Um, you're getting in 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 the Zulu in the Zulu tribe. You're getting you're getting women, women and women and men uh, doing their own uh, different choreography. There's a thing called ugukita. So it's just basically. Basically, it's just you, you. It's the constant lifting of, uh, of your leg, of your legs. You go like one, two, one, two, and a bit, and a bit of, bit of like, bit of like, uh, move, uh, movements with, with your body, and as to, as to like, so the Tswana dances. It's quite. It's a lot of. It's a lot of stepping and sliding. It's, uh, if the the choreography between the the male and female Tswana uh, uh, dancers is quite different. There's like this Tswana dances intended for for females, and Tswana dances intended for for males. And what's the interesting part is the male the the male dancers because. They're very, they're very, they, they, the movements are so precise. It's like the gliding, the gliding on ice, like the on the on the on the ice rink, the way they move or they glide. But then, cause there is like a bits bits here and there of of stomping. If I if I had to say, but yeah, I think that's what the unique part about the about African music, cause. Um, we're having these many different cultures here in South in, in South Africa that were so expressive of, uh, about our cultures and also our languages. Seeing that we speak um, eleven official languages, um, well, English English one of them. Um, but then, what's really unique unique about African music? African music, it's not only just singing in languages, but also we're adding that sort of spice. That sort of spice on trying to like adding choreography and able to able to sort of like have that bit of the in in that influence to 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 like Western Western culture because uh, now I've. My, to my seeing the years of music now and like some of the choirs I've had some choirs I had to like adopt on have making adopting uh sort of like quite popular music 
great or popular music and make it sort of as a as a as a as a as a, as a choir as a choir African traditional song. Um I remember um doing doing a collaboration with with Mbaling Gosi. Shout outs to her. Um Mbaling Gosi. So we sat down and brainstormed about this because from the from inspiration to Nlovo Youth Choir, just making any popular song into an African version of it, if I had to say. Um the part the the the, fa- the famous Nlovo Youth Choir sort of had that sort of the inspiration. So we decided to mash up two two popular South African songs from two from two different artists. Uh, one was Mafi Zolo, and the other is uh, the the quite the artist named Prof, Professor. So we had to try to find how we're gonna like make that work. So we did the song, and then we had to we taught it to the to to the kids at Midlands Youth Choir to see if they've done any justice to it. I'm not sure if it it it. It was. It got to be performed officially, because only remember, like only when was it? Two years back before twenty twenty, um, it was performed in front of the parents at the end of the camp, and uh, me conducting that song, um, I was not sure if they had done any justice enough, but then I was so pleased with the results at the end. So you're getting these uh, popular, popular, popular songs in South Africa, and you're getting Guaido, and then this new, new genres that's transcended to Guaido, like Amapiano, Bom. Um, yeah, uh, for those li- for the listeners, don't get tongue twisted for the pronunciation of that word I just said, Bom. Um, uh, what else? What else is still there? But now there's also now SA hip hop and there's house music. But then you're just getting getting songs like that, and now you said to like translate it into 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 the core into the choral side of it, which was something I did with 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 Mbali. So yeah, I think that's the unique part of African music that we can. You can expand and be creative in in different ways, even though like traditionally we have to like learn African music by ear. Uh, but then some would say that you now just like, why don't you like notate this? It's quite difficult, but we're trying. But then that's what's the the unique part about. Um, African music in the cor- in the choral verse. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you you've answered kind of the next question that I was going to look at. Um, the aspect of um, maybe using the system of of, of uh, classical music, the influence of it in the traditional world to create music to share with others because I, I think that's that's an important thing 
now mm. in, in the world. There's, there's a lot of sharing. We've obviously uh, been conductors and, and choosing choosing different pieces for our choirs. We, we've come across a very unique um, traditional music from around the world. There's absolutely amazing pieces that you come across. Mm. Um, and and I feel like there, there's a lot of lost art that is that is found in them. Like like for example, there's 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 a friend of mine, um, uh, Tero, who I sent some uh, Finnish words from from Mia Makarov to, and mm. um, yeah, Tero he he had to mm. take it to I, I think either grandparents or something like that because it it, it was some of the old Finnish words. It it wasn't oh, yeah. it wasn't stuff he could fully understand either, even though he was born and raised there in, in Finland. So so mm. yeah, there's this interesting aspects like that. Um I think an ideal example as well, um kind of thinking of using classical music or the classical realm um, to bring African traditional music I am I'm actually never sure if I get this guy's surname right so Abel Silako um, I'm hoping I'm not butchering that surname but <laughs> But uh, yeah, he he grew up here in KZN in the townships, and um, he was taught the cello, and he very avidly pursued playing the cello, and eventually uh, wound up studying in in Manchester. Mm. He found that while he was in Manchester, he he became homesick, and he started using the cello to try and create some of the traditional African sounds that he knew from home on the cello mm. and it is um it's, it's really interesting what what he's he's actually created mm. um i've i've actually got a link it to you tim it, it it's really something nice to to listen to if you haven't seen it uh, okay yeah because there's really interesting stuff that he that he puts in there there's some of the um that the Kosa traditional music has that um what what would I say? Um I I've forgotten oh it's it's the throat singing. So so he brings oh, he brings oh. that to it as well. I think I'm a bit familiar about that throat singing, which oh not for me. <laughs> No, he he does it. He does it really well. I'll, I'll send you the mm. recording of it. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I was um, but yeah, I I think he he's a prime example of of using uh, something from from the classical, the Western classical world, and and bringing his traditional side to that. And mm. I, I think um, although it's important to have that type of thing. I think it's also important to to uh, take note of your your traditions and stuff, because um, I I think very much in in the choral world that I experience here in South Africa, I see very much yeah. a a watered down 
version of of what's what's produced like like some of the stories so so for instance if if i come across a traditional african choral piece now it is very likely that it's going to be um something related to uh christianity no oh, yeah yeah there th- there wasn't christianity um at all before colonization so there there were there were these unique stories that songs were essentially centered around and 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 the traditional poetry and and myths and folklore uh had these mm. incredible stories and they're so nice to hear but it's i feel it's it's also very rare to come across it now um i mean like it's it's a tiny percentage um that you that you'd hear in like for instance a a choral competition mm-hmm. yeah so 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 i think it's also important that 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 people focus on 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 that specific side um yeah i know personally i'd i'd like to hear more of it yeah i yeah it is quite rare it is quite rare to have that sort of um uh these the these the this the the originality of of african music that uh before christianity was being introduced in these african cultures in uh, in africa like you said before uh before colonization uh, but then the african music can just like transcends to the spiritual side and the circular side of music you know the spiritual side meaning like the um influences to church church hymns and then it's translated into the, the african the african version of it yeah yeah um yeah yeah i remember we we we've done quite a few of those I I can yeah. I cannot say that I've that I've done one that is purely um honest to the the original traditions. Uh mm. I've I've recently been teaching drama and and we touched on some of the aspects of um some of the traditional African stories and I I'd, I'd actually like to do one of a, you might have to help me tracking down some mm-hmm. of these or, or or compiling one of these um so actually doing a purely traditional african choral piece yeah okay mm. let's let's see what whatever i must start here so we've covered that aspect covered the history uh and we, we oh yeah we've covered the the pronunciation i i wanted to mm. so this is still on the serious <laughs> side of things uh the i i would say there's a number of personal issues for south african musicians when it comes to the world of um well whether it be choral music or whether it be composing and and working in the field in general. Mm-hmm. There is somewhat of an an unfairness I would say 
and and yeah. I, I know this this was mentioned from your side on on uh, another podcast that you participated in. So I, I'm I'm actually curious from your side if you can kind of give us an overview of what it's like coming from. Um, now, obviously, you, you're coming from 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 the the black community um, into Western classical music. What what would you say are some of the challenges, some of the personal issues you've maybe come across that other uh, black musicians maybe suffer with in South Africa? Um, I would say. Okay, based on my experience and hearing hearing other people, other people who are sort of like in that same field uh, on dealing with dealing with choirs, um, I would say it's. I'm not sure. I would say cultural expropriation. I would say because you're getting composers that composers or conductors which I'm not going to mention any names for the sake of not me getting into trouble um, they think that they would they are experts in in, Af- in African traditional music which they're not but the actual people are people like me people of people of color uh, uh, who are the geniuses behind that? And what happens is that conductors would hire African experts to teach um, African songs to their choirs. But then, and and in the end, they would like to take credit for something they have not done, or they're not experts at, which is quite uh just right really discerning and also 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 wrong because you had to you put in all the work and then they were just like taking credit and you and uh, using that sort of uh, that exploit that exploitation for for something for something they they did not do but then and also something you at the end, like you're not getting any sort of compensation for for it, or so I should say, getting any royal royalties for it. Which, and and also another thing that when the when I say I'm not I'm sorry for white people in general, white people are not. African ex expert are not expert in African music. I'm sorry to say, um, because um, so I came across uh, trying to like a, a song. I did a re- I did rehearsal tracks for it. I won't mention the choir. What for what choir, or the composer? And then I looked and like, you had to take a. Christian an African spiritual song and make it an influence to jazz, which doesn't go well. It's pretty. It's really not. It's really not okay. Cause I discussed this from the previous 
podcast with this one um, American lady named uh, Miss uh, Lisa Marie Marie Garver. Uh, so we talked about this uh, issue. So if I can remember clearly, um, what was was this? Um, what's this word? Uh, Okay, it will come. It will come back there. to me. <laughs> I'm kind of stuck there because now I'm trying to remember what she, what she, uh, properly uh, um asked me. Um, yeah, no, but, yeah. but I, I can hear it's 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 uh, it's why I kind of asked this question and and you know if if you properly think about it, if if uh particularly conductors were experts in that field, they would not have to hire other experts to come in and teach it. Mm. Yeah. I, I just okay. feel there, there, yeah, there, there is a lot of... Um, I, I think there's still a long way that needs to go where recognition is, is placed in the right hands for mm. for African traditional music it's really important yeah. and uh, as much oh. as, as I love working with it and and I try and incorporate it as much as I can in at, at, at school yeah yeah I, I'm and, and this is why I've got you on here you know it's it's a nice educational experience we've, we've covered a lot of uh, important segments I'm obviously not an expert in it I, yeah. I tend to I tend to love uh, coming across all kinds of traditional music and I obviously cannot um, call myself an expert in, in either of them and I mean this has been covered by some of the great composers like if I look at Rachmaninoff um, Rachmaninoff spoke about this um, the fact that he used to love playing Chopin's pieces uh, especially Chopin's mazurkas now mazurka being a, a dance that is traditional to Poland. Mm. Um, so, Rachmaninov was probably one of the one of the best pianists of of the generation of uh, recording when when recordings were available. There were a lot of other pianists that that looked up to him. Even Vladimir Horowitz looked up to him. But despite all his accomplishments, he said that. He could never get the mazurkas quite right. And it was because as much as he loved that traditional uh, piece, or, or, or that traditional style of music, um, he's, he wasn't native to it. And it's, uh, to become a master in something, you, you've really got to yeah. live that lifestyle, be with it and everything. And... Uh, I don't know. I don't think a lot of people are are willing to, for instance, in South Africa, maybe uh, grow up in a tribe with other people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I think just to like add on to to that. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I think it's sort of like it came back to me. Um, Lisa asked me, and I think that's like before we had like start the the pod the podcast, and then she had like sent me a couple of questions to ask just to, to rehearse myself. 
Um, she asked me about the 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 difficulties of uh, music education uh, or musicality or of of general I think or general general marginalized uh, folks. And I couldn't understand what that meant. And then I had to sort of clearly explain to her, like we have that sort of similarity here in South Africa, that uh, you're getting, getting well, mainly white composers that they, they would try and compose African music to the, to the, to these, to these choirs or this, or to her instance, her, um, the American choirs are mostly white. And they're trying to sing African music, uh, based mainly from mainly from South Africa. So I said it's it is a similar thing. It's a similar thing here in in South Africa because getting getting composers on doing something, they they they're taking they're taking credit for something they did not do, and. I think throughout my experience, and this was like from from my previous job, and I think I I had like confided that in with with you. Um, I worked on a project which their aim was to uplift um, English language through music. So I was going to these rural rural primary schools doing choir rehearsals. And now things I was not really comfortable was the control, the control the control that how to teach those kids music. Um and how or how or and how must I converse with them? Conversing with them was not a pro problem. Was not a problem. She said I have to use English, in English the whole the whole rehearsal through. But then I had to go out my way because these are little kids and they don't understand most of the English words I'm going to say to them. So I had to say in my own language what that means. If you get what I mean, yeah, 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 and and the thing that I have to like the songs that I have to like prescribe to them uh, mostly has to be English songs because of their because of their aim. Um, they say also to come up with choreography for that. This is not it's not part of my it's not. It's not. It's not in my nature to like come up with, with choreography for for these Western songs. I deal with Afri African songs. I'm not okay. I'm not good in choreography, but yeah. I try in, in 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 African choreography. But when it comes to Western Western music, that that's where I saw sort of like I draw the line. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, my, my my knowledge on choreography is is. is is also just a very, very like non-existent. I try to avoid it at at all costs. Essentially, <laughs> I rather just have like a choir standing in the formation and and, and singing. Um, 
yeah it's it's not my strong point working with choreography i i should yeah. expand on it though sometimes it, it it fits in very well with certain situations and mm. uh, yeah, the last thing you want to do is put together something that uh, is very embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> all right um Okay, I think I think we've we've covered some nice some nice aspects. Uh, mm. So the, the last two, which which are lighter and and shorter aspects that we can kind of focus on. Um, so I wanted to ask you. So uh, I'm not sure if you get this question for because you mentioned you you've got perfect pitch, right? I've yeah. You, so so obviously I I know you've got perfect <laughs> pitch. Um, now. When it comes to something like uh, whether it be your traditional African instruments that are not tuned to the Western system, or even in Western classical music when uh, maybe Baroque music is played and the tuning is shifted down to like uh, 300 and something hertz, how does Uh, your ear accommodate that kind of change? Because we, we... you well, we're so used to now working with the 440 hertz system in music. Um, for for me, for me, based on like the sound the sound frequency, but I it's not only like I deal with um just like notes in general from the from the instruments, but I also so like I. I mainly hear almost like I hear music every from different sounds. Also, like like mainly sounds like like footsteps or the tone of a person speaking. But it depends on what's on what sort of vo- or what sort of volume he or she speaks. So it's not like mainly just like singing or hearing hearing musical instruments uh, sounds. Um. Sometimes, like my using 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 my perfect pitch, um, and then trying to like detect the notes that are, like be behind it. Uh, I I don't know much about the the the, the frequency the the frequency part like, at how much how much hertz it is. Uh, but this takes me this takes me back to my college days when I had to learn about the frequency chart. Um, so basically, our le- my second year lecturer taught us uh, on on frequency. So we did a frequency chart and said like find as many many instruments as you can, and then determine like from from the, from the, from from this from this much hertz to this hertz. It's 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 at that at that range. Um. But now, kind of lately, now is that my 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 my, my the main note I hear is uh, C, which is what well, in the piano would be C four or middle C. Um, it sometimes like it varies because I would like hear different tunes of it, but then with the assistance from an actual tuner to see if. Uh, if I'm really that accurate when I when I hear it in my 
carried in in my in my head as to what the actual tuna detects. Um. Okay. So, yeah. So, but yeah. Well, but then other than that, I I still it's still still functioning. Uh, I I sight read very I sight read very well using perfect pitch, but also I can hear sounds from the 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 car hooter the or the car engine, um, which is weird. The the set of keys uh, uh rustling the dangling of keys. The, the dangling of keys, yes, yeah, uh, yeah. A- and a person's speaking voice, and I had to see like what's their normal speaking voice, and what or what what are the what are the main notes behind the person's uh, speaking voice. Why not? Now I'm curious. Well, what's the what's the main notes behind my speaking voice? Mm. Okay, I wanted to ask you if you just try and say something so I can determine. Uh, okay, let, let me let me think of something. Okay, let, let's uh, let's go to, back to my years of physics. Uh, the rate of charge of a magnetic flux mm-hmm. is directly proportional mm-hmm. to the amount of induced EMF. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that, that's kind of all I got. <laughs> Uh, let's see uh, I'll read random things on the screen streamer mode is enabled stay safe friend disable <laughs> okay I'll try and hum it out on how what, are the, what, what I'm hearing actually um, use um it's be, it's between between a a a sorry between a or a sharp. That's, that's the most note I'm in hearing. And then the your very your variance um would be uh, g g g sharp g sharp a g sharp a flat a sharp b flat um. A bit of B there and G, so it's from that range. I don't know to which octave it is. Okay, but no, it's no, below. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's below middle C. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now that that is that is uh, yeah, that that's quite interesting to to think that some people mm-hmm. like stay within. A, you're not analyzing. You can stop analyzing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Sorry, trying to turn it off. <laughs> oh man, it's just like uh, when Superman gains the, the power to like uh, hear people far away, <laughs> and he tries to control that. Uh, mm-hmm. um, okay, so we we've reached the end of of our discussion, sadly. Um, uh. But I would like to end with. Um, so we, we were talking about, uh, well, early, much early on in, in the podcast, growing up in choir, some of the difficulties, the funny stories and whatnot. Um, mm. There are complications and there are very beautiful moments that we experience as well. But mm. uh, just from your side, what would you recommend 
to growing musicians. Why, why would you say that it is important to join a choir? What can you either learn or what kind of experiences are important for a growing musician that you can find in choir? Well, seeing that with my experience in choir, in choir, I would say to growing musicians out there, if you have the interest in in singing in choir, you joining choir would what you would learn is discipline and and also and also and also to understand understand not only just like the music but also the the linguistics to it like learning different languages other than like the your typical english and latin words you get to like sing songs in other languages like russian german um and also when you to stand in the choir also gives you that confidence on how to 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 stay to stand on stage and facing the audience but you don't like really face the audience you just face your conductor you just like look at him so you won't get stage fright but then what's the the real joy is having having these choir workshops and having fun fun with your fellow fellow choristers and also also as to advice and as an advice to uh, choir conductors is when you have when you're having fun with the with 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 the with these choirs there will be moments that you have to like get back to that that seriousness don't forget that, but don't lose your grip. Um, but also, also try to encourage your kids and notice notice the signs like what's wrong with your kid, well, with your kids or your or or, or your chor- or your choristers. Be 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 aware and alert, and also. Don't be afraid to act as sort of that mother figure or father figure to them when they have to address their problems or issues. And I think that also the other fun part of being in choir is to getting to travel, to travel around your local countries or around the world, even where you to get to experience. Uh, or other choir concerts there to have that sort of real or say that sort of uh, marriage between other choirs and you might sort of create your that own brother choir or sister sister choir that you have that relationship with so yeah I think that's about it Okay, no, that, that's that's a lot of good advice. Yeah, <laughs> I try. <laughs> okay, thank you, thank you very much, uh, Tim. Tim, uh, Tim, in course, the Kumalo. Mm-hmm. 
It was really great to chat to you, with you, but I mean, uh, we, we always tend to have uh, good chats, and, and uh, I'm, I'm glad I invited you for the second episode, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, we, we should definitely have another segment, uh, maybe outside of choral music, in another field, kind of looking at, uh, for a later podcast as well. Mm. Uh, for those listening now, uh, so I've got a server called International Artistic Development. If you are listening from the podcast side of things, whether you're on Spotify or Apple Play, uh, Tim Tim uh, TLP Music also has his at the moment. Um, you can find us on all social medias, if, if I am correct. I will from my side on International Artistic Development or if you'd like to follow me on um, Instagram at maestro.matthewhoffman, um, I will post some of the links to Tim Tim's, uh, his server as well as his um, uh, some of his stuff on, uh, what is it, SoundCloud? Yes, SoundCloud. Um, yes, and, and SoundCloud. Some, yeah, and then, and then some of your social media as well. So uh, please feel free to check that out. Please please join our mm. uh, our Discord. We, we really hope to, um, because we're really going to push that uh, that idea for, of, of the, the online uh, African choral experience, essentially. Mm. Yeah, um, I think, am I thinking of having an... A virtual virtual choir project soon. Uh, just had to figure out which song or which African song I might I might uh, prescribe to, and there might be another uh, rehearsal tra- track album that I just recently did for the one and only Lisa Marie Garver. Uh, she asked me to do a jazz song, which is uh, which was uh, performed by. The real group. Yeah, it will, it will be posted uh, much later on SoundCloud. Okay. Right. Thank you very much, Tim. Mm. And uh, yeah, uh, it, it's quite late our side. I hope you have a good rest. And, yeah. Uh, thank you to the listeners that, that joined in. Um, just before we kind of close things off, if anyone does want to drop any questions over here, uh, also if you are listening outside of the Discord and and you are uh, listening to this actual podcast uh, on on YouTube, some of the highlights or something, please do drop some uh, some some questions there as well, and and we'll be sure to to answer this. I, I'll relay some of the questions that are outside of this recording. Um, to uh, Tim Tim and uh, yeah if you're curious about anything he will I'll get him to answer for you 